When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Claret and Blue podcast. He's having a sip of drink already and he's not ready for the show. It's Matt Kendrick back from his summer break for the Claret and Blue podcast, Villa's first home game of the season. Matt, you you do the home game, so you're back. Uh, how are you? How's things? How's it been? Oh, got me notification. Oh, notification. Just going on for it. He's back, everyone. He's back. What a, way to, um, what a way to announce my return. Yeah, I'm all right. You just caught me sipping um, a can of Sprite Zero Sugar. Um, so I think I need to... to um, Tried it in for something a bit stronger and a bit to celebrate. So it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was um, good. Yeah, I love the fact that we've just just cancelled out our, our goal difference deficit. You know, I was open for one more just so we could uh, be in a positive goal difference. But yeah, it was. It's. A, it, I feel. I know this is an Aston Villa podcast. Although I've been away for a while, I know it's not an Everton podcast, but I feel for them. It's almost become like a gimme now, hasn't it? Beating, beating Everton at Villa Park, you almost turned up there, and if if we hadn't have beaten by a few goals, we'd have all been in the depths of despair, but it was turned out to be a fairly straightforward win, didn't it, in the end? Yeah, it was a great day at Villa Park, wasn't it? It's lovely to be back. Um, obviously, me and John have spoken a lot about the Newcastle defeat last week and how there was probably a little bit of an overreaction to that. Um, and the Tara Mings thing was the biggest talking point from last weekend, more so than the 5-1 scoreline itself. But it was important to bounce back today at home. And I said in the previous show that we did that Everton wouldn't score, so... Hooray for me for actually getting a prediction right, but I did say it might be a conservative 1-0, so I got that part wrong. Uh, I did back Villa to win, but I, I, I wasn't really bothered whether it was a performance in terms of Villa scoring a couple of goals and controlling the game. It was it was more just to shake off the, the negativity from last week and, and bounce back with the result, um, but to put in a good performance and score goals and, and for players like McGinn to chip in with one, John Durant to get his first as well, which is a, a nice little talking point. Uh, yeah, just a really nice day out at Villa Park, if nothing else. Sun was shining, goals going in. I thought the atmosphere was 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 pretty decent, to be honest. It was a, I think when when the, the clock went up for nine minutes of stoppage time, I think we all thought, listen, we're all done here now, to be honest. We'll go and uh, we'll all go home and celebrate and have a drink and that kind of thing. But yeah, it was just very, very routine and it was very villa at home that we'd come to expect under Unai Emery. Um mm-hmm. and like you said, it was it was good to see McGinn match his total from last year. Uh, good to see Duran beat his total from last year. Um, <laughs> and there's some really, I thought there's some really solid performances. I thought McGinn was the, the standout player for me. I thought he was me you know, showing signs of, 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 of being back to his best with his energy and the way he used the ball and the way he used his body to, to get around the pitch. So he was my, I've not seen John's player ratings, but I, I'd be surprised if McGinn wouldn't have been up there in, in his ratings as well. We've said a couple of times now for the new season, these post-match reaction shows are going to be 30 minutes, give or take, on a, on a match day evening. And then on a Monday, we'll have a chat as well where John will be on that show, talk about things in more detail uh, for the game itself. We'll talk about what it was like to be at the game and the atmosphere and things like that and this and that and the kind of pure reaction. Whereas tomorrow uh, or the Monday show, if it's not a Sunday, um, will be the more kind of analytical look at it, I guess, and certain different talking points. McGinn, though, was the, 
the standout for me. I think he did a little move. I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to describe it, but the way he like turned with the ball seems like he John McGinn's unlocked a new skill move over the summer. Like the way he moved with the ball seemed seemed good. Do you agree with that? Or am I just talking silliness there? Which buttons would you have to press on FIFA? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, is there any other standout performers in terms of the individual? Because I think there's there's probably a little bit of a caveat for this game. I thought Everton were terrible as well. I'm not I'm not just saying that is it, Villa only scored four goals because Everton were rubbish, but I thought Villa played well. But they were a side that you look at and go, if they don't get a goal scorer, they're going to be in serious trouble this year. Like they don't create anything whatsoever, apart from the couple of good saves that Martinez made. Besides those, you just look at those and think they lost to Fulham last week, lost today. You know, haven't scored a goal in in the league yet. Um, they will be in trouble and look poor. But I still think Villa played their usual kind of with their usual kind of swagger and things as well. And um, McGinn was certainly the standout for me. But I think there was a lot of performances that kind of contributed to the overall game and scoreline without being kind of nines and, and tens out of tens like the whole back line I don't think anyone particularly stood out but everyone did the job that they had to do and kind of kept things ticking over simple yeah I thought Everton looked like a team that had got so fed up at that stat about it being the most played fixture in top flight history that they wanted to end that um, as soon as possible uh, they were they were dreadful and you know when Calvert-Lewin went off as well that that made them get gave them even less less of a threat but you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. I thought, thought mm-hmm. defensively, given what what we had to suffer at Newcastle, although we were never going to have to face the same kind of threats, I, I thought defensively we looked looked pretty solid. Like you say, Martinez came to the rescue a, a couple of times. Thought Luca Dean did well actually. Torres looked again; he wasn't he wasn't tested particularly that that many times, but he looked looked a lot lot kind of calmer and more more secure in his surroundings. Um, mm. Yeah, Douglas Lewis. I'm not do the usual. Can't really do this. Can we on a half an hour show? But we go do our usual of going through the the whole team. I thought Douglas Louise was was very Douglas Louise again. Very very reliable, and I think he's definitely got the job now, hasn't he? As penalty taker, um, mm. he dispatched that one, and I think you know he'd be definitely given given the next one to take. I promise this won't turn into a season of Ollie Watkins bashing, but I felt he looked a bit kind of ragged. At, at times, didn't quite make the the right decision, but we know that he does that occasionally. But we also know that he works tirelessly for the team, and we also know that he's going to score his fair share of goals this season. I think it's one of those. Isn't it? I've not obviously not not spoken to you much, well, certainly not here in the summer. And I've obviously sensed the real kind of sense of excitement and you know the optimism bubbling, and I just didn't know how much. Last week, the injuries to Buendia, the injury to Mings, the battering on the opening day of the season. I didn't know how much that had taken out of of the excitement, but I didn't get the sense that that Villa were, you know, the, the fans or the players were particularly nervous today. It was like, okay, got that out of our system. Business as usual. We're at Villa Park. We win matches at Villa Park. It was very, like I said, very routine and very expected. Mm, yeah, it was very, very comfortable. And I think you talked there about the the nine minutes at, at the end of both halves even, but at the end of the of the game where it's kind of like, oh, you could just blow up now. Like, let's just put Everton out of their misery. They don't want to play this extra nine minutes and it could be an extra 90. I don't think Everton would have scored a goal. That game was wrapped up really on the 55th minute, 60th minute, whatever it was when the second goal went, it was like, Everton don't score goals, they're certainly not going to score two to get a point here, let alone three to win it. Um, the second goal was, doing in about 20 minutes. It, was, oh, it might have been the third goal then in the, in the second half. Um, yeah, but you know what I mean? It, was, it all just kind of petered out, isn't the right word, but it felt like a bit of a, 
this is a training kickabout for Villa here. Like the atmosphere kind of died down a little bit. We all just were going through the motions to get to the end of the game and did feel like it dragged on a little bit in terms of the added time and things like that. But like you say, routine against Everton. And we know that when we play Everton towards the start of the season, particularly at Villa Park, we tend to beat them. And I've got a little stat for you, actually. Well, I'll say a stat, you're never going to get it because it's more of a, a guess than anything. But you mentioned it being the, the most played fixture in English football. And I thought... I haven't seen any any of the Sky coverage, but I'd be amazed if they've not mentioned it because it gets mentioned every time we play. First of which was in September 1888. Matt, I know you're probably there covering it for the for yeah, the paper. So you, you've seen them all. Just wanted to to guess. It's the 229th game between the two sides today in professional football, according to AVFC Stato. So go and his mentions if he's wrong. Have a guess how many Villa have won out of those 229. Oh, halfway down the middle, wouldn't it? You'd think about... Well, no, there could be a fair few, fair few draws in there. 112. Uh, that's not terrible. 87, apparently, and Everton 82, which is close. Well, you beat him 87 times in the last three or four years, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly, and it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly feels like we, we, just, we beat Everton, and, and that's the standard. 60 draws, apparently, 87 for Villa, and 82 for Everton. 229 games, though, between the two sides. That, that is some... Some going, isn't it? You know what um, I thought the stat, stat was going to be? I thought the stat was going to be how many times did Anthony Taylor pass the ball today? I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was going to be that because he must have had some, a, of it, some of Everton's best defending broke up the play for, for Yeah, for he did. Taylor. He was prop, properly in there getting involved, wasn't he? Let's talk about the lineup a little bit. And again, when we do these shows and we talk about the lineup, it's always with the hindsight that we feel probably very differently about it at, at two o'clock on an afternoon or one o'clock on the afternoon today to how we feel about it at the end of the day. But I think there were probably eyebrows raised for Leon Bailey's inclusion. We did a predicted 11 on Thursday or Friday, Friday, uh, and John thought that Emery would play Bailey out on the wing. And there was loads of comments replying to it saying, oh, not Bailey, anyone but Bailey. He's had plenty of chances. He's no good. Goal and assist today and, and the level of opposition. I, I think last week against Newcastle was probably one of the hardest games we'll have all season. And today was probably one of the easiest we'll have. So take that into account a little bit. But Bailey played well, I thought, and contributed and, and seemed to have a bit of a... He didn't, obviously, he's not perfect every, in every instance of his play, but he seemed to have a bit of a, a spring in his step. Maybe that's the arrival of Nicolo Zaniolo breathing down his neck and thinking, I've got to start contributing here. I wonder if it was the arrival of Diaby, because I thought they actually they actually combined quite well. You know, we've probably complained in the past that, that Bailey doesn't share the ball enough with his teammates, but I think there were a couple of opportunities. There were a couple of occasions or several occasions where they, they worked well together. You know, it was interesting, wasn't it? The Ashley Young being back, Bailey's absolutely kind of had him on toast, I think, for the opening mm. goal one and great delivery. And McGinn's made a perfectly time run to stick it away. Yeah, he's. We know Bailey. Bailey blows blows hot and cold, but we also know that you know we were raving about him, weren't we, a couple of seasons ago? Really excited to to have him. We know that he scores goals against Everton. Um, fortunately, he didn't, do his yeah, he didn't do his hammy after after today's one. With the, the couple of injury blows we've had, and I know they're not necessarily in the same position as Bailey, but with Buendia and, and with Jacob Ramsey and now Coutinho getting mm. injured, we are going to. We probably didn't think we would re- we would need Leon Bailey this season because we were on about. We spoke before, haven't we? You strengthen the the first eleven, and, and you know. And, they become your, your squad players. We probably didn't think we'd see that much of him. But again, today, on today's evidence, he's still still got a part to play. And we, we need to see, don't we? I, I don't think he'll be, I don't think he'll play anywhere near as many games as he did last season. But if that's what, like you said, if the competition for places, if that's what he needs to, to, to get him up to that kind of consistent level, then that's what squad building's all about, isn't it? Mm, the injuries is getting slightly annoying now, isn't it? Obviously, Buendia and Mings are the obvious ones. Like, 
we saw the t-shirts for the Newcastle game for you know whatever it was we're with you Emmy or whatever today the t-shirts out again for we're with you Tyrone whoever's printing those t-shirts I hope we don't have to go to them again for a third batch for, for Coutinho next week or whoever it might be um these long-term injuries are starting to add up Coutinho going off looked in in pain as well that looked like a difficult one I don't know whether he's was the one I'm thinking of but there was a player that went and, and took the ball and kind of you know and two players hit the ball at the same time and one of them kind of swings the leg back. I don't think it was Bale, but somebody else went down and you kind of go, every like half injury now, you kind of go, well, that could be a bad one because that's what seems to happen to Villa at the moment. And that will curtail our season in terms of expectations and, and squad depth that we probably wouldn't be offering somebody like Bailey loads of games because you've got Buendia and Coutinho and Diaby and Zaniolo coming in and, and offering competition there. Two of the three I've just mentioned might not either be here or be injured. And Bailey's thrust back into the first team again, and you kind of you haven't really made any progress in terms of squad depth. So if they are to continue playing players that maybe you think should have been improved on, and there'll be others where people think well, maybe Matty Cash should have been replaced, or whoever Ollie Watkins, some people argue should be replaced, which I don't agree with. But the comments this evening are very much anti Ollie Watkins tonight. If they are going to play and contribute and, and and feature this season, you've got to get behind them and support them, but also they have got to step up their game and Emery's got to get the best out of them as well because no matter what Villa do in terms of recruitment so far in the window and for the next kind of what is it, 10 days or so they've got a lot of talent already in that squad that need to kind of up their game and like you said if it, if it needs somebody like Zaniolo to come in and make Leon Bailey go Ooh, I need to start performing here then that's what it'll have to be because these players are going to have to play a lot of games this season if Villa are to go on and be successful. Yeah, I must admit I felt for Coutinho today because I thought it was one of those games. Come on to the obviously Emery's made several changes with the the, the fixture, the packed, packed fixture list in mind, and trying to rest a few people for for the midweek game at Hibs. And I thought it was perfect for Coutinho to to get a bit of confidence. You could see it was almost like a showboating cameo. I thought little kind of flicks over his shoulder, drop the shoulder. I think he'd done a really nice kind of flick about ten seconds before. And it didn't didn't look good. And I know we spoke about this last season. I can't remember the injury, but it still frustrates the hell out of me, Dan, in terms of the amount of money, time and effort that goes into looking after every aspect of welfare of these mm. players. The diet, the sleep patterns, you know, the recovery time, the ice baths, all these things. Yet they still get players with injuries that haven't yet properly been assessed and they make them walk. I know he was supported by by a couple of physios, but they make them traipse, traipse halfway around the pitch again. And Where's the wheelchairs? That's what you're thinking. Yeah, we've done it, haven't we? We've done the kind of rickshaw and, and wheelchairs and heelys and roller, you know, roller blades and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's... I, I think the, the fellow sitting next to me said, do they have, like, these golf carts in Saudi now or in, in one of the leagues? <laughs> You're missing a sponsorship opportunity there, aren't you? By not getting, you know, a little kind of... Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's, just, it's, a, it's a serious point. I just think it's I think mm. it's, it's silly. And I think a stretcher can sometimes look too severe. But there could be a, could be a halfway house, I think. But Yeah, but he went off the knee and he, he walked off. And I always tend to think, well, he's walked off. It, it can't be that bad. Yeah. Diego Carlos possibly walked off last season. <laughs> and was ruled out for the entire year. Like, yeah. you never know, do you? But... Yeah, to see it, it took him ages as well, didn't it, Coutinho, to actually get round, like injured on the far side and have to walk yeah. all the way around. And you do, you do think, get him some of lads, he doesn't have to walk. But they obviously do it for a reason, don't they? Because there are no wheelchairs in the Premier League. My favourite moment of that was John McGinn bringing the medical bag over. Did you see it? Yeah, Dude, what a guy. Leader, physio. Yeah, that was, a, that was a, a nice touch from the captain. 
No, I actually think, and we'll probably talk about this more tomorrow with with John because I want to do like we'll do a bit of a Hibs preview for tomorrow's show for Wednesday night. It'll be that game's coming thick and fast. I thought the substitutions were in- interesting. So there were the triple one. Um, I'm going to forget two here, but Watkins and Louise came off, and somebody else I've already forgotten. I don't know. Tielemans came on, Diego Carlos and Coutinho. I've got five out of the six. Remember the, the other one? The comments let us know. Anyway, it was the first two players, obviously. I wondered whether they are being rested for the first game. How often does Ollie Watkins come I love off? the way you just said it was three first. What, what are they going to do? Substitute people on the bench? <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like the good players. Regular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, anyway, go on. What point were you making? Sorry. My thought is whether they were... Like, Watkins don't come off, does he? He plays every single minute of every game. Doug Sweet rarely comes off, not with you know, 15, 20 minutes to go, 30 minutes to go with injury time. DRB was the other. So you know what I mean? Good players, like the, the ones you're guaranteed to play. Well, are they coming off because they're being rested to feature against Tibbs on Wednesday and we go full strength in the Conference League with the first team or are they coming off so that Carlos, Tielemans and Coutinho before we got injured are coming on to get some minutes in the leg because they're the ones that are going to be playing on Wednesday? Um, bit of both, I'd have thought. I think he wants to try and get some minutes for, for some of the, the, the subs but I think it, it, it just was the opportunity, wasn't it? Why, why wouldn't you? You know, if you, we know that Players are going to play, what was it today? How many minutes of injury time in both halves? Nine on each. So they're going to play, what's that, 110 nearly, 110 minutes of, of, of football twice a week. I just think if, you, if you're two or three nil up against a team that's hardly laid a glove on you, you might mm. as well just use it as an opportunity. What do you think of Duran? It's, it's funny, isn't he, Duran? There's something about him that I, I like and I don't really know why because we've not seen that much football from him yet, but he seems to be a good personality. Again, I thought his goal celebration was interesting that all the players seemed buzzing for him. Like, he's got his first goal for us. It was a, obviously, his first touch for the goal. I think it, he's, he's ruined this opportunity with his, with his first touch. He's over it. Uh, but to be fair, it was a good I think finish, he did right? that on purpose. I think he did that to draw yeah. Pickford out and bounced it off his, off his knee yeah. or something. Yeah, I just like, I like Duran. He offers something. He's, he's clearly a wild card, isn't he? And again, something we'll probably talk about more in depth in, in a week, depending on whether Cameron Archer does end up going. It's interesting that Duran came on before Archer, potentially, that he was like, we're making changes up front. Duran's the man we're going to bring on first yes. rather than Archer. Archer, actually, Archer doesn't even come on, does he, if Coutinho doesn't go off because Chambers was prepped to no. come on. Yeah, there's something about Duran that he, he's still raw. There's still potential there. Uh, I think it's interesting that he's 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 clearly not going to be let out on loan. Well, I'll be surprised at least anyway. He's clearly around the squad. And whatever Villa do in the Conference League, whether he starts or not, he will be involved in that. And hopefully in, in those early stages when you're playing lesser opposition before we get carried away and say that Villa are going to win the lot. Um, Duran should be able to score some goals in that tournament for us and, and be a bit of a, a star, possibly. Does actually on claim another Villa assist for that goal? <laughs> uh, it's just poor from Everton, isn't it? That, to have your own throw in, be fumbled at the back and then the rookie striker goes through on, on goal as yeah. a poor touch, like I said, and still manages to score to, to put the final. Well, he's like it quite well. I thought he's... I yeah, thought the finish was good, yeah, yeah. And like you say, the celebration was... Um, it, it meant a lot to him, didn't it? it? I think he's probably still out there kind of signing autographs and posing for posing for <laughs> photos. He just didn't want to go in, did he? Bless him. But he, I think he, we've said this before a few times, I mean, but he's almost got that kind of everyman enthusiasm about him. He really... Mm. I think he feels really, really privileged to be playing in the Premier League. You know, I'm sure he backs him, backs himself, and backs his ability because he sh- he should do. Especially if you've got a player, uh, a manager like uh, Unai Emery, who's prepared to throw you in and give you a chance. But I hope that will just almost. I'm not saying I'm not. This, this is just my, my 
take on it from a million miles away. But I hope that will give him the confidence to believe that he's rightfully, you know, he's rightfully yeah, there. He's only, a, he's only a young kid. I know he's a big lad, but he's only a young kid. So hopefully that'll think, yeah, I can do this. I'm, I'm meant to be here. Can we use this pro Duran moment to be anti Cameron Archer for a second without throwing the lad under the bus? Because to be fair, there's a few comments I've seen on social and in this uh, podcast chat as well that Archer didn't look. And again, this is all of us reading too much into it, probably from however many yards away the seats are from the pitch, uh, that he didn't look that interested when he came on. He looked a bit, I don't know if the sulky is the right word, but Duran comes on full of smiles and keen to get involved, scores a goal, celebrates like mad. You know, everyone's loving it. Cameron Archer doesn't really do a lot, looks a bit mopey maybe. And obviously all the talk at the moment is that he's possibly on the way out you know, on a permanent deal with Villa and a buyback clause and whatnot. Again, he wasn't due to come on, was he? Colin Chambers was literally getting ready in front of him. Coutinho goes down and they go, right, we need you. And he might be thinking, well, I'm leaving on Monday. I don't, I don't want to get injured or whatever, possibly. I like Cameron Archer and there's clearly a talent in there, but if he was to stick around when he comes on, I want to see him bustling around full of energy, smiling on his face, scoring goals, not like, I've got to go and play football. Like, if that's the case, stick John Durano. I must admit, I didn't. I'm gonna gonna play the fifth there and just deny all. I didn't see. I didn't watch his body language close enough to be honest. But it's weird one, isn't it? To be honest. The Cameron Archer swingometer is a weird, a weird mm. place because he does. Was it Sheffield United? He's been linked with. Yeah, twenty million. You know, so if he does, if he does make this move and he suddenly scores a couple of goals for them, all of a sudden it'll swing back and it'll be the best thing since sliced bread. I'd keep them both around. If it, if it was up to me, but I think think Villa want to be quite quite shrewd in terms of if they can get decent fees for some of the fringy players, they they will do it. And the the buyback clause is a is a new thing for Villa, isn't it? It's almost mm-hmm. like a kind of a, a big club small print that we, yeah. we we haven't really been been aware of before. So I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't say John Duran is now kind of king of the world and Cameron Cameron Archer couldn't care less. I don't think it's as as simple as that. And I think when Cameron Archer does know his fate and if he is to still stay at Villa because a move doesn't happen, I think he'll be he'll be super motivated because, you yeah. know, he's a professional That's young man. Obviously, you've not been, as far as I know anyway, you've not been to any of the friendlies. You weren't in America anyway, I know that at least. Um, so, like me... I'm done rubbing it. No, no, I wasn't either. I was about to say we weren't at Newcastle either. So that was was that your first experience of seeing Villa in the flesh this season? Yes. I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on the new boys as a whole probably you mentioned Torres looked Torres is an interesting one because I feel like at the moment it's just that you don't really notice him which is fine like I'm, I'm okay with that as a centre half to not be in, not that he's not involved but he's not made any mistakes or anything so we're not talking yeah. about oh Torres is this Torres is that he just yeah. does his job and that's fine um, Tillemans obviously came on today came on against Newcastle as well in a, obviously an awkward game in terms of what happened with uh, Mings and we're already losing and whatnot playing on the left as well, which doesn't suit him. But Diaby is the one, really, that I want to talk about a little bit. Obviously, he scored last week. Could have scored a great volley today. Yeah. <laughs> that, that chance was, uh, to be fair, as much as I don't like Pickford, it was a good save. My first initial thought was that he just hit the post and that would have been a, a, a an unbelievable goal. But yeah, good save. Diaby looks dangerous, though, doesn't he? No, no, no matter what, whether he's um, involved in every passage of play or what now, just having a player that's got that pace and when he does get through, he's also got the ability to finish as well. Uh, he looks a serious talent, doesn't he? And I don't know whether you've seen our season preview. I've put, got him down as being my top scorer this season in the Premier League. I think he'll score more than Watkins. Yeah, when I when I watched the season preview back to front, I did I did think mm. 
What else did I say? On Diaby, yeah. probably what a unit he is, really. I think he's a kind of, without sounding like a weirdo, he's a kind of really good physical specimen, <laughs> isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's almost yeah. kind of sprinter's, sprinter's physique, I think. Not in a kind of a Dharma Traore way, but he looks like any worries that you'd have about him adapting to the pace and physicality. Well, not the pace, obviously, because he's, he's rapid, but the physicality mm. of the Premier League. He looks like he can handle himself. He looks like he's brave enough to go through spaces between two defenders and not really care whether he's clattered, basically. You know, that that's what I like about him, the fact that he's he's got that kind of that power power about him as well. Uh but his quality, and I'm with you. I thought that had hit the post. I thought um but but Pickford's got a, a, a good hand on that. I think whether he'll be top scorer, I don't know, but I think he I think he adds a different a different dimension to Villa. I think we know that we know that Emery can can build through the phases, you know, through the, the the parts of the team, but that explosiveness, I think, is is something that gives us an added threat. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm a big fan. The other thing I was going to say to you was um, what I was dreading today, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, the bit of the halt end, the terrace the view. When I've seen it in pictures with an empty Villa Park, I think it looks a bit incongruous. I think it looks like it's a big word, isn't it, for the Clown Blue Pocket? I think it sticks out a little bit, but it didn't look too bad. I'm, I'm not massively in favour of, 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 of anything like that being in the whole end, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what it looked like. Do you know those kind of bird watchers boxes that are hidden? <laughs> They're almost like camouflage. Yeah. In the kind of undergrowth or whatever. I, I think they've done it as sympathetically as they can. I'm with you a little bit that don't dump with the whole end, like leave it. It is. It's, it's a special stand and, and whatnot. But I also understand the other side of it that you and me spoke about probably the last podcast that we did together when we did this, the season tickets thing in yeah. May or whenever that was. we did together. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, it feels like it though. And we were kind of saying, like, if you want to be a club that goes places, these things are going to come in at some point because you have to keep up your revenue streams and whatnot. I've seen some things on social media on the way back. I don't know whether they're true or not, but they're a kind of like, there's almost like two sets of fans clashing heads that like the normal fans versus the posh terrorist view fans going against yeah. each other is like, why have you paid for that? Why are you ruining my whole end? And them almost like gloating back again. Don't know whether it's true, but if it is, get over yourself. And if someone wants to go and spend however much it is for the terrorist view, go for it. Absolutely. Like I said, I have heard though that if you want a premium seat in the dugout with a roof on, you have to pay more. <laughs> What's all that about the dugout in a sec? Yeah, the terrace view thing, whatever. I don't really care. I saw a lot of moaning about how it looks. Shrug of the shoulders for those that are only listening is what I've just done. It's just whatever. When the stadium is full, I forgot it was even there. Dugout thing. I wanted to mention this in terms of like atmosphere as well. And I'm going to only come at this from a, um, what's the word? Like I'm guessing, whatever the proper word for that is. So I saw something with Newcastle in the week that they've had to change their dugouts to comply with Champions League rules. So I don't know whether Villa have had to change theirs to comply with the Conference League rules. I don't know what that would be, whether they have to be a certain size or yeah. allocate certain seats for extra press. Or I don't know what it is. I just thought, thought it might be a coincidence that Villa are in Europe and are now tinkering with the dugout. Because you sit quite close to the dugout. Is anything, all I noticed was that it didn't have a roof on it, but was any other mm. kind of configuration any different? Or were the seats, because, you know, on stadium tours, when I'm sure you've done the, the Villa Park tour, you sit in that dugout, and it just it throws me how low down you are. You're mm. almost kind of just a floating head at, at at pitch level. So I wondered, has it been raised at all? Has Emery's seat been raised at all to give me a better perspective, or is it just they've just knocked the roof off it? It's a, it's a great question, a great investig- investigative <laughs> journalism question. Uh, I don't know. 
is down. We'll have to talk tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I can't tell from the angle of where I'm at. I, I can kind of like look over people's heads and see more of the players now, but that's because I'm not looking through a plastic piece of prospects yeah. or whatever it is, and I can see like, oh, so and so is about to. I can see him taking his top off rather yeah. than it kind of being hunched over in the the arch of the plastic yeah. or whatever. So I don't know whether it's anything like that. It'll be interesting to find out just as a bit of a note to go. Oh, this is why. Maybe Brighton is one to look out for. Does anyone know if Brighton have changed their dugouts for the Europa League? Let us know in the comments like below. Anorak thing, isn't it? Oh, I can't <laughs> wait till I see Brighton on the telly just so I can find that out. Yeah. There's got to be some um, wise guy in the comments who knows knows the reason, who's got more information than us anyway. So. Hopefully, and this is exactly why we're doing a Monday show every single week where we'll uh, talk about things. It could be uh, uh, another chat about the game itself, or it could be five or six topics uh, that we've missed, or things that happen. Less likely with tonight and tomorrow morning, but things that happen between the post-match show and the next day that somebody says something stupid on match of the day, and we want to go and talk about it. That's what tomorrow's show is for. So we'll go away and do some digging, see if we can find out—not literally to the dugout—to see what happened to the dugout at Villa Park. Just very quickly before we go, because we said we wanted to do half an hour, and we've done just over that. What did you think of the atmosphere? Yeah, well, I didn't get in till about thirty seconds after kickoff because I was watching uh... the. England Lionesses game with my, my daughter and her under 13s. Um, the atmosphere there was great, to be honest, at Hales Own Cricket Club. Um, so I don't know what the pre match was like. Has anything changed about the pre match, Dan? So this is what I was going to talk about. I thought you'd have seen it. So these are the conversations I usually have with John. There was a new swanky video before the, the uh, kickoff, which I thought was pretty good. It was the music from, I think, and someone will correct me if I'm wrong, you know, the film Inception. It's like, blah, blah, not that dramatic, like that music. It was that, I think. Was it again, Dan? that that thing. And have you seen the clips that Villa tweeted a few times? They've got all the flags in the background and it's Emery folding his arms in slow motion and all that kind of thing. It was like a video of all those cut together, and then the music right. went boom, and then we came on, and the lion was roaring, and I was like, "Oh, that was that was pretty good." And now the fire. You need that for a cold night in Europe, though. Yeah, it certainly looks better for that. Yeah, a procession right. against Everton in the sunshine. Yeah, they did the light show again. Doesn't quite work in the daylight, but the thoughts there. They had the big fire boxes down the um, Doug Ellis side. And for yeah. the players walking out, they had like puffs of smoke or whatever. I like that Villa, we've spoke about this before, I like that Villa are trying things, but those things, like you said, the light show and those like flashy videos and stuff will look great against Hibs for the nighttime fixture when it's starting to get a little bit darker, 8pm or whatever the kickoff is. Matt, thank you for coming back on the show. I've seen a few comments and, and people asking, where are you? You've had a summer break. You're back now, though. We're doing a show tomorrow morning as well. Uh, or tomorrow afternoon, possibly. So I'll be out at some point tomorrow. Uh, John will be on that one with me. And I don't know if you are around, it'd be good to get us as a, th- as a three, like I said, but we'll, we'll see how things go. Just to talk about things in a bit more detail and um, not live either. So we can kind of look at numbers and check things rather than just waffling our way through a live stream. Thanks everyone for joining us and watching along live on Saturday evening. We will be back on Wednesday night for the Hibs uh, post-match show. The kickoff is 5.45. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for tuning in as always. And we'll see you again tomorrow.